I'm Sean. I'm Alex. And today we're going to talk about Alex went to the ultimate strongman competition to figure out Scottish Scotland's strongest man. And uh, I think that's interesting. And uh, we're going to we're going to kind of go over what that all entails and kind of understand why Alex might be talking in a little bit of a lower register during this podcast. <laughs> yeah, I was definitely cheering him on. <laughs> so. So what I remember from from strongman competitions is like ESPN back in the day when they used to have to like fill programming would always show strongman competitions, which were just guys lifting large objects and doing things like that. Is that kind of what the look and feel was here? Have you ever seen any of those like CrossFit competitions? Mm, Essentially. Yeah. All right. So it's essentially like an exercise competition um, where they have five or six different types of exercise and um they compete for either best time uh number of reps or um whether they can lift it at all uh type stuff and um a little backstory um i had never seen like strongman competitions in the u.s it wasn't really i I know that they're there i know that they're on like sports channels but it was never really hyped I, every time I've come out to Britain, though, the strongman stuff, like they do world strongest, but they also have UK strongest and stuff like that. It's very popular out here. Um, so a lot of years I've come out and watched the world strongest man. Now, you probably wouldn't know of anybody, but in the HBO show Game of Thrones, the guy that played the mountain, um, Thor, he is a strongman competitor. Um, and he's been world's strongest man a couple of times. So I've watched, um, I've watched some strongman competitions. People in Europe—I'm not sure if it's Europe, but at least in Scotland—love the strongman stuff. So what I went to today was more of a—it's basically like um, qualifiers for higher events. So you'll have like England's strongest man, or Scotland's strongest man, or Northern Ireland's strongest man, or Ireland's strongest man. And they have these competitions, uh, and the top three um, qualify for, like, the next level, which I think this time is, like, UK Strongest Man, which is a combination of all of them. And then you qualify in that, or you get, you know, you get the title of Scotland Strongest Man, and then you get the title of UK Strongest Man. And then those people then move on to the World Strongest Man, where it's, like, you have US competitors, and you have you know, people from Scandinavia and all over Europe. So the one I went to today was a qualifier for UK's strongest man, um, which is like the five nations, um, which is Northern Ireland, England, Scotland, Ireland. I don't think Wales, maybe not Wales, uh, or maybe Ireland and Northern Ireland are counted together. I'm not 100% sure. But the winner of this competition was declared. These were all Scottish contenders. So they were all from Scotland. And um, I live in a border town called Jedburgh, which is uh, right on the, it's one of the first towns you come into coming up from England. So um, it was held on the borders this year, which was very interesting because, I mean, it was outside. And if there's one thing you know about Scottish weather, Sean, what would that be? Uh, that it is rainy. It rains a lot, and it was wet today. It was very wet out on the course. 
uh, on the on the so that factored in a lot into the way that they were doing stuff because i mean some of these these uh dumbbell well not dumbbells but some of their equipment it was covered in water or but it was kind of light drizzle and then it rained really hard for a little bit but then it blew over so they were competing outside in the wet and uh got nothing but respect for them but all of these guys that were competing there were I think there were nine of them, but two of them had to bow out for injury reasons. Um, so there was a, there was six, actually six, yeah. Two, I think maybe three of them fell out for injury reasons. There were six guys that made it all the way through. And the basic uh, premise is that you have five stages, and each stage has a different uh, strongman activity. So um, the first stage was, and I'm going to have to say stuff in like, and this might scare you, but like in metric, because that's how they said it. So if I say kilograms, you're just going to have to deal with that. I, I, go, I won't know the pound equivalent because this is what they say out here, because this is a country that uses the metric system. But the very first one was like, they had to carry this big stone that was like shaped, like almost like a tombstone, like a, like shaped like a coffin. And it was like um, 400 pounds, I think. Um, I think that's the closest. You've already, what broken, you've already broken your promise. You just said it in yeah, no. I know. The problem is I'm trying to remember what they said in kilograms. <laughs> I'll, all right. I'll be moving between. Again, yeah. Like you drive in miles, yeah. but like you measure in grams. Yeah. So it's just one of those things. Man. Got it. But it was a big like coffin stone. Um, and it was like 400 pounds. And what they did, had to do is they picked it up and they had to walk, uh, and then turn around and walk back. So it was how it was the longest distance that they could travel with this stone. And, um, some guys couldn't even get it off the podium. Like it would just it, like, they lose their grip or, or something like that. And these dudes are huge, Sean. Like one guy was my height, maybe six foot six, but absolutely massive and I, i'm not talking like ripped muscles i'm talking like he looks like they all look like big fat guys but they are just huge and so the guy who is currently scotland's strongest man was defending his title um and uh he was uh the problem is i can't really remember a lot of their names but um yeah he was called the bad boy <laughs> So when I refer to the bad boy, that's who I'm talking to, the, the current champion. Got it. So uh, I went through all the preliminaries, and because this is a um, this isn't a um, competition that's got breaks in mind, so some of the strategy uh, involves intentionally losing or not placing first in some of the pre of some of the events so that they can do better in later ones. And I'll explain to you like this coffin pickup. Um, it, it, you know, you're using, you've got to use those muscles and that energy for later events. So the guy who was ranked scholar stars, man, got like third in this category. Another two guys got, uh, were ahead of him. So the second competition was just a deadlift, straight deadlift. And um, it was just lift up, and then you had to, like, lock your back out and lock your knees out for it to count. But they started at um, 
230 kilograms. Good Lord. Or actually, no, I take that back. It was 250, or was it 280? Anyways, very, very heavy. Like something like 600 pounds or something like that. And every time they lifted, uh, it went up by 20 until it got to a certain weight, and then it would go up by 10 after that. So, I mean, every single one of these guys is coming out and lifting, you know, 250, 280 kilograms. It got up to 330 or 340 kilograms. And um, the, the way the competition is done is that as soon as you step onto the platform, you have one minute or two attempts to try and get it up. Now, some of these guys had like straps on their hands. One guy did it without any straps, just old school. But uh, only one guy was able to lift the 340. And that was us just yelling our faces off, trying to support this guy to get it, to lock it out. But it wasn't, um, it wasn't a bad boy. He, wasn't, he, he only took second in that one. Mm. Then the third um, is a, um, you pick up, so imagine a big uh, rectangle. Uh, and the rectangle has, um, is made out of metal. Uh, weighs, I think it was, I think it was 200 kilograms or something like that. And it's got weights on each corner. And what they have to do is they have to get into this rectangle, pick it up and then walk 20 meters. Uh, and, uh, they have 75 seconds to clear or get as far as they can within 75 seconds. So the, I mean, the key to this thing is picking it up and then just going as fast as you can. And they look like, remember the penguin from, uh, from the the Joel Schumacher Batman's, or maybe not Joel Schumacher, the uh, from the uh, even earlier, the one that when Danny DeVito played the penguin. Yep. Yeah. So remember how he walked in that movie? Yes. It was kind of like a shuffly walk. That's exactly what they look like, except they're just bright red with veins popping out of their heads, lifting this massive hunk of metal. And so they have to walk that as fast as they can. And like some would drop it and then, you know, just try and get it over. And it was a lot of struggling, but that's the one when the bad boy or the guy who uh, was Scotland's arms, man, he was like, okay, I am going to now knock the rest of these uh, out of the park. So he got a first in that. He was first, he was fastest uh, to clear the line. Um, and then the fourth event is just like a straight military press. So uh, to those people who don't know, a military press is um, if you sit down and put a bar like over your head and just go straight up and down with your arms, that's a military press, but this was like a hundred and thirty-five kilogram log, which, as just uh, just to let you know, um, I am one hundred and twenty-one kilograms, and I'm six foot five. <laughs> so these guys were lifting essentially um, me plus forty pounds over their heads, and they're like they're set in like. They look like a log that's got a hollowed outside, um, because they've got to be able to grip these uh, these uh, these iron bars on the inside, and so they kind of have to roll it, and then get like go into a squat to roll it up to clean it up so that when they stand up, it's like on their face, and then they've got to 
push it up over their heads and lock their arms and knees out. And so this competition was how many they could do within, uh, I want to say it was 100 seconds or it could have been 75, but none of them. Only one, the the first five competitors couldn't either get it up or even one guy got it up but couldn't lock his arms and legs out. So it was a lot of failure. Um, And then the bad boy came up and the guy who was in second and the bad boy get, came up, got one out immediately. The other boy got one out immediately as well. And then he failed on the second one. And the bad boy got the second one up. And, like, he could have kept going. But you could see how he, what he was doing. In the conversation. He was just watching to see what he had to do. So he just stood there and watched the other guy. And if the other guy was able to get another one out, he probably would have gone in again. But there's where your strategy goes. He placed in the middle in the first two events. But is now planning to win by knocking out, getting a first in these last three events. So after that one was out, which was a bit of anticlimactic because almost none of them could get the thing up, uh, including the boy who was in third place. And so the last um, competition is the one that, if anybody's watched Strongman will know, um, you basically pick up these big round stones that each weigh... So there's five of them, and each one weighs more than the last one. And you have to pick them up and put them onto these barrels, which were, which are, I mean, some of these barrels, you've got to, like, they're not, um, they're at eyeline height, pretty much. So, like, you're going to have to reach up in order to put it onto the barrel. You can't just pick it up and drop it onto the barrel. You, you get what I'm saying? Yes. Right, so they're not shorter than the, uh, they're about arm height. So the, all of them have to do an up and down lift. So it's, you have, I think it's 200 seconds or something like that to get as many as you can. And the fastest one wins or as far as you get. So this one's really cool. This is the one that everyone knows because it's one of those weird events because it's just picking up big round stones and putting them on. But every single person in the tournament got at least one up. Um, the guys who were in last place kind of just like you knew they weren't. They just did their best. Uh, and uh, the guy, who, the bad boy who's number one, and the guy who was challenging him were like neck and neck. There was like half a point between them. So it was pretty exciting because they both went one, two, and three real quick. And then on the fourth one, um, they both had a kind of slow, they were doing it really slowly, but the, the guy who was in second place, or sorry, who was in first place, um, kind of stumbled a little bit and you watched the bad boy just go through his like motions. Like he was moving very slowly, but like deliberately. And then you saw him just pop it on and it was very exciting. And he wanted to put the last one on as well, but because it was so wet and these stones are like really round. A lot of uh, a lot of stuff wasn't being because these guys don't want to hurt themselves. So a lot of there was a lot of uh, hesitance for some things that if it had been a dry day, they would have just pushed through. But the bad boy puts it on. Everyone's cheering. Everyone's losing their minds. And then uh, it comes down. And of course, he won it. So now he is Scotland's strongest man again. But he's going to the UK championship. Um 
So he's the top three guys qualified for the UK championship, um, which I think is in London. But they're also there's a, there's another strong man in uh, Doncaster at the end of this month that um, I think is the Five Nations type deal. Um, but we'll probably all watch that on television because I mean it's just it's just fun to watch. Like some of these. Like, in a CrossFit competition, it's like doing CrossFit exercises. It's like, oh, you got to do this many burpees, and then this many pull-ups, and then this. So it's very much like you're just watching people exercise. In this, all the stuff's designed to be like, if you're not a guy who's just massively ripped, like huge muscles, you can't even get into this competition. Like, I've seen one where they, like, um, they have to fling stuff over, like, a high wire, but it's like, you know, 40 kilogram buckets and they have to do it with like, or 40, like massive kettlebells that they have to fling one handed. It's insane. It is insane. And there's just something so cool about seeing a man who like, when you see these guys, they're like designed for this. This is not, this is all functional strength. This is, they're not, not, they're not pretty boys. They're there to show you that, you know, 670 pounds is no problem to deadlift right. you know yep. so it's there's something about seeing like because you know you can see like it's almost like you see runners all runners kind of follow like their bodies are tuned like tuned instruments and there's something i very gratifying about seeing those instruments being put to work even when they're not doing very well because it's just like you can't even like with when you're watching Olympics or like running, right? We all know how to run. Yeah. So you could see yourself going, "Oh, I can do that." Right? When they're when these strong men are doing this stuff, no one's going like, "I could do that." They're just <laughs> like, "Holy, holy fucking shit!" <laughs> you know, it's just and, and and they do it over the course of. There was one like halftime kind of break, but it was only like twenty minutes, and they had breaks in between events because they were setting it up. Right, because this was not a this wasn't a uh, like a big budget production, but everybody who was there was massively enthusiastic, and I loved it because it was in the borders, and so and there was from from guys competing all over Scotland, and there were people in the stands from all over Scotland, and it was just you know we all felt connected, we're all screaming our heads off, it was great, it was a good time. So so it was really good, yeah. So talk to me about the. Talk to me about the the logistics. So is it like everyone is in stands? Are you standing outside? Oh, right. Yeah. So it was out. So yeah, it was in. It was at the Jedburgh Rugby Club. So it's essentially an open rugby field. That's where they were all competing. That's where all the stuff was set up, and we were in stands. So they're facing the stands. So there was a big banner, and a kind of like so the big banner that said "Ultimate a Strongman." And then there was a side, there was like a side tent next to it where like people were doing commentary because it was, I think it was being broadcast or at least streamed on the internet. And so they had a kind of thing set up at the front, which was for the lifting, um, the lifting um, events. And so they had a, you know, a barbell with, uh, sorry, a dumbbell, no, barbell with, uh, for the deadlifting. Um, and anytime, um, there was an event um, for the deadlifts. They lined up, and it went in the order of the everything went. They competed in the order of how many points they had gotten. So, 
in the second event, the deadlift, the guy who got the least amount uh, in the in the walking with the big stone, he went first, right? And then it went through the through the line, and um, and then it was funny because when they had to go up weights, like a pit crew came out, like in a uh, racing, and came out and set new uh, set the new weight up. And so that was in the center. If this had been like a big stadium for this, this would probably would have been up on like a stage, I think. Um, and so they had set up like this big square. And um, so at the front of the square or the back farthest away from the stands was the deadlift and the, uh, the, the log press. And then just in front of that were some lanes that they had created. Um, and that's where they did the, the um, big stone carrying the distance. And they also, that was what the lanes were to denote 20 meters. And so that's where they did the pick up the massive metal rectangle and walk it to the other end. And then closest to the stands is where they had the, uh, I think they're called Atlas stones. Set up next to these massive barrels, and they were set up in a line where you know you pick up one, you go around the barrel to the next one, you pick it up, go to the next one, and so that one was the closest to us. And then you know they had it like kind of um, roped off with like metal gates, so that way you could see clearly where the um, where the bounds of the field were. But this is a rugby club, and it's in Jedbro, so it was very small. So, like, the, the athletes literally had, like, this tent. Well, not even a tent. It was more like a pavilion just to the left of me. And it wasn't very large. It was basically a tarp. And they had, like, warm-up equipment there. They had a warm-up deadlift and had a warm-up um, log press thing so that they could get their muscles warm before they went out and did, the like, the, the real weight. And I was sitting right at the edge of the stand, so they were, like, right next to me. <laughs> Just outside, <laughs> just outside, like you know, putting chalk on, doing all this stuff. And so, what the announcer guy would do, who is a former uh, champion, uh, ultimate strongman guy from Northern Ireland, he would call them out by name and then like set it up. So it was very much like professional operation mixed with, you know, kids. Uh, you know, like kids soccer match <laughs> where they're like, where, you know, there was a lot of wrangling and it wasn't like, there wasn't like pre-scripted things. So like when they set off, they set off these like colored smoke grenade type things. And that wasn't like something they had planned and set up. The announcer just opened a smoke grenade and put it down and then walked to the other <laughs> side and opened another smoke grenade and put it down. So there was this very much like one of the announcers, like the late, so they had music and stuff to play like intro music and stuff like that. So they had this big sound mixing board in front of me under a, like a, another pavilion. But you could tell that like the person who was doing it was like the teenage son of one of the announcers. And when I say teenage, I mean like 13. <laughs> when he turned around and I was just like, they have this tiny, they have this little kid who's literally, you know, timing all the music and picking the music for stuff. Yeah. So, you know, it, 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 it was a combination of professional, like, serious competition 
combined with like shoot but you had to do it like on a shoestring budget yeah like yeah it was like if you and i decided to shoot a movie mm-hmm. it would very much be like we'd be like guerrilla filmmakers or something like that we there's a lot of things you have to do to like invent yeah you, the stuff you just have to make do with i i've, so, done, yeah, it. I've so, done it twice with you <laughs> yeah for sure yeah but like i mean that was with like zero budget yeah. that, was, that, <laughs> was like, was, that was like 300 dollars to rent the camera was was the budget and then i, I, I mean exactly i mean i'm putting 300 dollars together back then was i mean we're talking <laughs> checking my couch checking my uh checking my in my car breaking into my neighbor's place you know, all that stuff gotta find the money yep these guys they had they had uh, a lot of their equipment was sponsored so that's how they got they had some sponsors and stuff um but they were generally like nutrition companies or like people that made the actual like there's a the, the company was called predator mm-hmm. and they're the ones that like just make strongman equipment so like they're not even making like other things they're just making these massive hunks of metal and stuff for big strong dudes to fling around that's quite funny it's cool. Um, yeah. And so that was how the, so these guys would walk past and like, we were able to get pictures with them and, you know, it was very kind of, it was, it was charming because like you could, I, there was less than five feet between me and one of the competitors and, or the announcer. And during like the 10 minute breaks while they set up stuff, uh, which that's the thing they they would say, okay, we'll take 10 minutes and we'll get the second thing and you just watch the crew go out and set stuff up and while they're doing it the announcer would like take pictures with like the kids and stuff and like talk to people it's cool and yeah and it did not it felt very hands-on and it felt very you know like legitimate like they're here because this is and it's unlike in the states where like you wouldn't be able to get close to any of the athletes or you wouldn't be able to do any of that stuff they they're like look we're doing this in the borders this is the rugby club this is what we've got this is what we're doing and no one complained and no one was like oh i am scotland's strongest man so i have to have all this no it was about the competition and making sure that it went off as well as it could because don't forget it was raining on them the entire time there were it was open right they didn't have a big tent or a pavilion above it because it would have been i don't know where they would have found one but yeah, so yeah, it was, and the fact that it was raining, and at one time it was raining really hard, and they never, there was no talk of canceling it, there was no talk of delaying it, they just went out and there and did the, did their thing. It just meant that some stuff, you know, I, they, they probably would have gotten more reps, or they would have, they would have committed more to trying to get more weight up, but again, they're like, you know it's wet and I'm not going to hurt myself because if I hurt myself, I'll be out of competition for the rest of the year. Yeah. And I was telling my, the people I was with, it's not like if I had a hamstring injury, Ooh, I've tweaked my hamstring. I picked that up and I tweaked my hamstring. There's like, Oh, I was picking up 600 pounds <laughs> and my hamstring literally exploded and shredded under the pressure. Yeah. It's very different. It reminds, so, it reminds me of uh, when I was a kid, I used to go to like independent professional wrestling matches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a lot like that. Yeah. And like, like none low, like lower market. Yeah. None of the people were pretentious. They all were there to, you know, put on a show. Even if there were only like, you know, 80 fans there, they were there to, to you know, have fun. And, and then like the main event would always be like one guy who had like one match on like WWF 
wrestling and and you know he'd just wait around afterwards and take pictures and sign sign photos and stuff like that so yeah it, it was exactly like that it was a combination of like real professional competition right combined in the fact that you're like doing it in a rugby pitch in the middle of Jedbra. that's awesome and so it had this great and it felt great i, I really enjoyed myself like i'll i've been to sporting events where you know your your voice is one of thousands right but every time i yelled one of their names i knew they could hear me because there was only about three or four hundred other people and i'm the loudest person that's ever existed <laughs> so like when i'm yelling come on rob come on rob get that up i know he can hear me right it was very interesting that's awesome so yeah, i know so- it, was, it, it makes me want to go to more you know like i'd much rather see non-professional teams play like i i bet it's the same with you in hockey like you see you do hockey with hide uh with your son uh and he goes in and it's like school stuff but like minor league hockey you'd go watch that yeah i I think i think hockey is one of those sports that's enjoyable no matter what like what who you're watching right um and it is one of those things where you know we've gone and seen uh the arizona it used to be the arizona red hawks which was like a you know a lower 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 league like team full of 18 to 25 year olds who never have a shot at making the NHL, but they just yeah. have passion, right? They go out and they play with passion and, you know, they would invite Hyde to go down and like, Oh, hold the door open for them as they got on the ice and they'd all like give him knocks. And, you know, that I literally have pictures of Hyde when he was like eight years old, like giving, giving like a bunch of these giant men knocks as he, as they're going onto the ice. So. Yeah. I mean, that's what I'm saying. It's just one of those things where it's like, even at the lower levels, like even if this wasn't like, you know, broadcast on television to millions of people and there's like a huge prize yeah. for it, these dudes still have to be like in incredible shape and trained just for this. Yep. So it's one of those things where like I respect the fact that there there's no there's no competition small enough. They're there to go in and and I think that's a lot with amateur wrestling as well. I yep. mean, it's not even it's not even the size of the event. It's the fact that you're putting on a show and you're doing it for doesn't matter who and that you enjoy yourself while you do it. And I love that. And the thing is, Scotland's a lot like that because it's not a huge market. It's not a massive market. Like even their soccer clubs, there's only two clubs here, Celtic and the Rangers, that have a ton of money. Right. So Celtic and the Rangers are the type of uh, soccer club that like they get really good players in there because they can afford, they have the fan base and they can afford to pay them. But everyone else that's not Celtic and the Rangers aren't, you know, they're competing in the same divisions or leagues, but they just don't have the same, you know, it's uh, Scotland's got, it's not the hugest market. So they've got wrestling stuff out here. And so like a lot of it is like, you know, you're going to have one or two really, where where the money's concentrated but everyone else is just out there competing you know so it's a lot more i find it a lot more invigorating while i'm watching it's just because you know they're all in the same boat and it's not and, and they're competing for you not necessarily for the imaginary audience that's not there you know 
Yeah. So yeah. So I, it's just I, I love it, and um, I'm I'm looking forward to uh, to more. Like in Scotland, in particular, they have a style of rugby called sevens, where it's you play rugby, um, but there's only seven people on the field at any one time. So it's seven versus seven, and uh, it's stripped down. Um, so there's only like, um, I think they're like eight or nine minute halves. And you play two of them. And um, it's so much fun to watch because rugby is normally played with 15 people. And so you get like strategy and stuff. And in this game, it's just about speed and, um, you know, exploiting um, weaknesses. And it's really great because you get to the ends of some of these matches and they're just, you can just see that the other team is just absolutely shattered. (laughs) They they can't, they can barely stand up. And, I like seeing that. It's like watching, uh, it's like with the Patriots, like the Patriots win through conditioning and it's like watching people um, just absolutely throw themselves at this brick wall and try and uh, score points, even though they're, you know, breathing fire. And uh, I love that. And, and the sevens the style of rugby was invented in the borders in Scotland and in, in Melrose. So the Melrose, which was the original sevens, uh, when they do their annual tournament, like lots of people, professional people show up and pe- people from all over the world watch it. So it's pretty cool. So, so the one in London, the, the next level up, you don't think you'll go to, you'll just watch on TV. Yeah. I'll probably watch it on TV. It's just because, um, I know the islands only like you can drive from John O'Groats, which is the very top of Scotland down to land's end which is the bottom of England in like 10 hours or something like that. Yeah. It's just really expensive. Like I could get a train down there, but it's just real expensive. And mm-hmm. there are some things here where you're like, you can do in a day where you'll drive and then come back. Like the grand Canyon in Arizona, you can drive from where you're at to the grand Canyon, visit it and then come back all in the same day. And London is just not a day trip. You have to spend a couple days because you're, got, got you're spending at least four or five hours traveling. Uh, because even though there's not a huge physical or actual distance, um, it's not a straight line. And there's tons of stuff in between there. So, you know, you could get to London within the day, but it's you're going to be traveling all day. Got it. Yeah. And it's okay. not like in Arizona where I can just take the 60 or the 101 or something like that. No. <laughs> you're, taking a, you're taking a two-lane road all the way down. <laughs> All right. Well, that, that sounds interesting. Uh, so I think that'll, that'll do it for uh, this week's podcast. Oh yeah. Don't uh, forget. I will be, I'll be dropping tons of Scotland stuff. As soon as I get, <laughs> as soon as I get my driver's license, I'm going to be like going like, guess where I went last weekend. So, <laughs> yeah. So we'll, we'll look forward to hearing more adventures from the Island. Uh, but for pod goblins, I'm Sean. And I'm Alex. And we'll talk to you next time. Adios.